Ladies and gentlemen, Kirk Thatcher and Darren Docterman, the Weirded Beardos. And as it was foretold, <laughs> we are here. Hello. Weirded Beardos, let me introduce you to Kirk Thatcher. Let me introduce you to Darren Docterman, or as I like to call him, Dr. Darrenman. It's very See, creative. It's a, it's a thing. It's so creative, and I didn't at all hear it in fifth grade. <laughs> That's about my level of humor. I don't How are you, Kirkula? I'm I'm doing all right. It's Christmas Eve, everybody. It's not it for is. you listeners, unless it's a year later. But um <laughs> what's funny is we've been talking about doing this for what, like six months? Uh almost, just oh, about. Yeah. And uh, only now yeah. have we uh have we found the time. Well, yeah. At um, the end. At the end of all things. <laughs> I think part of it is uh, we do these cons together and we just sit next to each other and riff and get stupid and silly and talk about real things and talk about no things. And, uh, you know, we both have such tremendous egos that we said, you know, who would love this? The entire rest of the world. Of course. That's, so, how, that's how it goes. So it won't be Trek focused for your friends and it won't be Muppet focused for my right. friends. But I mean, we can certainly talk about it, but I don't want people to think. It's a Trek broadcast, or a it Muppet is. Broadcast. It is. It is both and neither. And neither. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> kind of, I mean, between the two of us, as you texted me recently, like we have seventy-five years of. Yeah. I mean, if you put all our credits together, people would be like, "Why are they doing this? Why aren't they rich and retired?" And that <laughs> sort of answers that question. <laughs> <laughs> Merry Christmas. God bless us, everyone. Everyone, particularly those with pensions. Or penchants. Penchants, or... yes. <laughs> yes, I like to gamble with an O. I do not gamble with an That's O. That's right. Yes. You, well, it, right now, you, it looks like you look like to gambon. Yes, Michael Gambon. That's one of my <laughs> my least appreciated impressions. <laughs> I'm an alcoholic. It's very similar. That's Alcoholics a, have more fun. Than completely a rumor. We don't know that for sure. It is uh, unfounded. But did I? I never was. A, I mean, didn't hate the books. I just read like the first one. I was like, okay, this is a lot. It it um, happened after us, so yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I, we I, missed I it. I appreciate it, but yeah. uh, I guess I don't know if this was retcon. Was he gay in all the books, or did it come out like in the last book or something? Because I know there was a bit of a kerfuffle about it. Like, He's gay. Oh yeah, you didn't. Not Michael Gambon, but uh, <laughs> I mean, maybe Michael Gambon is. I don't know, but uh, I don't know. I know Dumbledore was. I'm like, oh. I mean, it I, didn't. It didn't look like he was getting much of anything in the movies. No, well, he was old, so he he quit it. <laughs> Instead of hit it, he quit it. But <laughs> but in in the one of the more recent films, they allude to it uh, when somebody else is playing younger Dumbledore, and they talk about his. I don't know if it's considered illicit or secret or just nobody cares. Well, I just find it funny that if if uh, Dumbledore is gay. How can Snape not be? Yes. Well, that's a great, that's a very good question. He's just too, nobody would have sex with him. He's just, right. he's so loveless. I mean, he was such a broken man, I guess, because of what happened with Harry's mother. It's all because of Harry Potter. Harry Potter. Yeah. If you want to do a good, uh, what's his face? Talk um, through your um, nose. Or, yeah, or glue the tip of your tongue to the roof of your mouth and mm. talk like this. It's actually a British accent, I've learned, because one of the puppeteers on Dinosaurs, a name was Dave Greenaway. He talked like that. And it's, it's, I don't know if it's an affectation or like 
just how they it's like a lisp or some unnatural voice thing because i don't know any americans but it's a bit of alfred hitchcock too if sure you took the tip of your mouth tip of your mouth tip of your tongue to the roof of your mouth and talk slowly with the british accent you sound like alfred hitchcock so i believe joseph yoshinobu takagi This is this is the great joy you'll experience listening to it. Our our mediocre to definitely I mean, impressive impressions talking about all sorts of nonsense. So how are you? So you you were a cat dad, and I know in your new apartment. I am not anymore. They're not allowed. You have become one. I well, I've always been a cat dad. I just didn't really you just didn't have cats. Much. No, no, I did. I've had I've had cats since 1996. Don't lie to me, Fetcher. I had no, I haven't. I had cats and birds for a long time. Three birds and four cats. Cats and birds living together. <laughs> Human sacrifice. Uh yeah, that was my my home was a constant state of of of, of detente with the birds on one end of the house. The one thing good about a ranch house is you can keep uh, your your pets and might kill each other from different <laughs> sides of the house. So the, the all the cats were on my kind of the bedroom side of my of the house, and then the the birds were on more of the family kitchen side. So when they would scream and yell, like you barely could hear it. So anyway, enough about my house. Let's talk about my beautiful living room. <laughs> Your beautiful fake living room. Beautiful fake living room, which I have on a loop, which is actually kind of marvelous. It's not even a gif. It's a. It's it's lovely. It's a it's a little it's a little video you got going there. Whole oh, oh, video. That's a that's a deep cut. If anyone right now, anyone write in if you recognize where that video comes from. We got lots of videos coming for you. Yeah, hint, it's from Jerry Todd here. Oh, you, well, now you gave it away. Yeah, but no, it doesn't give it away because if they don't know, they still don't know. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> people might be like, oh, God, I know that. That's from, uh, you know. All right. Yeah. We're not going to say. Just uh, write in. That's right. No, don't write in. Wait, there's no yeah, we need a, we need a, We need an email address so people can write in questions. I'm sure there's Uh-oh. burning questions or at least I, burning well, sensation. Burning something, yeah. Uh, <laughs> don't blame us. Well, you can blame me. I get around. That's not what I heard. <laughs> what? No, I get around. It means I'm fa- getting fatter. As I get oh. Around. Oh. So, anyway. Kirk, you... Kirk likes to stick his hand up puppets. <laughs> well, I got <laughs> Who doesn't, I don't, though? I only did it for the money. <laughs> um, yeah. Actually, I, I only. what's funny is I really didn't do it for the Muppets, which is the longest career uh company i had the longest lasting yeah, yeah job i lasting had lasting gig gig yeah but before that i did with uh salacious crumb and the star wars special and gremlins gremlins both one and two and there's another thing in there i'm forgetting where i did some is salacious crumb actually a gremlin no but they're related they were <laughs> chris Wallace designed the gremlins but tony mcveigh does and tony mcveigh designed and built uh salacious Right. Tony also sculpted the hero version along with Randy Dutra of the Gremlin. So Tony had his fingers in both of those proverbial puppet pies. <laughs> yes. Um, so there's a trivia question for all you nerds out there. I'm sure this is mainly lawyers and doctors or, and psychologists listening to this, not, not, not nerds. Well, um, so. I, yeah, I'm, I'm eternally fascinated about your stories of, uh, of, not only working with uh, Hanson and the company, but uh, your early days at ILM that started in what, 82? 81? 81? Literally the beginning, like March of 81. You know, I just, wow. 
I got the job when I was 18 and had my birthday between getting the job and moving up there. So I can technically say I was just 18 when I got hired, but by the time I moved up there, I would have been 19 for about a month. <laughs> right. So you were legal. I was legal. Yeah. <laughs> it was mainly a, it was just a, a, a hedonistic sexual paradise. Well, we know that. <laughs> I swear there, I think there were three women at ILM when I was there. I'm straight. If anyone was curious. Um, and so there was not, there was slim pickings. If you were a straight man, slim pickings worked there. Yes. <laughs> we got to get a whole shitload of cyanacrylate. <laughs> uh, no, it was funny though. But it, what, what the other, here's a tidbit about ILM back in those days. Back in those days. Back in the old I would days. say half the guys either dated or married waitresses because they're the only women you would meet when you would right. work, you know, six days a week and or five or six days a week and 12 hour days. I mean, and they're the only women who are even slightly kind to you. <laughs> It's true. There weren't a lot of like Hollywood groupies like, oh, you work. I mean, even in L.A., you say I work in visual effects. Like, OK, uh-huh. so what kind of car do you drive? Yeah, right. Well, you I mean, you have amazing stories with um, I mean, Jim Cameron. Jesus, you've done how many films with do you work? I only did one with him. Just one. But, okay. Yeah, it was a big one. It was it was a big one. And it just, the, got um, its, just got but, its uh, big uh, streaming re-release, the, right. abuse, uh, the Abyss. The uh, abbess, I thought, isn't yeah. it? Uh, nun, the, abbess? the woman yeah. who runs the nunnery. How do you how do you solve a problem like Jim Cameron? <laughs> so there's yeah, you've got to have. I mean, I've never heard glowing reviews of what a kind and gentle man he is. Now I have friends who work with him fairly regularly, and they say, you know, as long as you deliver and you know you don't lie to him, as long him. as you do what you're supposed to do, yeah, he's are, fine and are, and, and are capable of it. And not trying to pull something over. Right. And it's funny. I have other friends who are directors. I mean, it's it, when you get to that level and people lie to you just to get your name on their resume or something, I think. Yeah. Um, but I, I know he has, as a couple, I mean, I have some good friends who are very well-known directors who have dressed down people in front of the crew, which I think is, unless they're being jerks in front of everybody, I think that's kind of unconscionable. At least I, I would never do that because it's hard. I mean, again, I tend to be pretty forgiving of people's foibles I and mean, again if they're lying or just faking it but i still wouldn't dress them down in front of the crew uh, i don't know if it teaches well, people a lesson i i yeah I if know. if you're if you know putting it bluntly if you're a fuck up you need to be dressed down in front of the crew really yeah i i just think it's funny i had one of my good friends as a director tell me on my first directing job he said did you have any advice he said fire somebody the first week I'm well like, yeah that's the that's the coppola uh school. yeah Okay, well, he didn't he didn't attribute it to Francis. He said, fire someone the first week or whoever's screwing up. It could be a minor infraction. Yell at them in front of the crew. And and just so everyone knows you're you're you mean business. I'm like, oh, God, but what if nobody's really screwing up? And uh, he said, <laughs> well, change the rules, pick, pick somebody. <laughs> He's like, just pick someone who's just, you know, not paying attention or whatever. I, it's just not in my nature. I, and it was funny was the one person who really needed dressing down was one of the performers. Um and uh it turned out they weren't aware that they were being completely difficult to work with they were just kind of in their head but right and my my ad came up to me the first week and and she had you know not had any participation in like fire somebody but she said after like three days so you're, you're gonna fire him right I, I can't he's the only person that does these characters i can't right. fire on the third day of the shoot um so it, it is i think i don't know uh, it's it's funny 
to me or at least intriguing that friends of mine who are sweet guys with great sense of humors great senses of humor <laughs> great humors right. great, great bodily humors um that i'm told could be monsters on set and you know you swear and yell and, and huge terrible moods i just i don't i don't I'm not wired that way and i'm not throwing any shade at them i get it's a hard job and there are a lot of people who obfuscate and lie and you know right. try and pull like you said pull something over on on well, see that's the funny thing about working with jim cameron when he's not working actually on a movie He's actually very cool to hang out with. Yeah, that's what I, well, he's obviously smart, an amazing artist. I totally. mean, yeah. I mean, the, just the work he's done, completely ignoring his film work as uh, doing bathospheres and deep sea diving and creating yeah. his own sub that could go to the Marianas Trench. I mean, his own money. And I guess he works with, you know, companies that do it. It's not like, well, and his, his brother is brilliant. Yeah. His, I mean, his brother Mike. Um, I've never, yeah, I don't even know about Mike. Tell yeah. us about Mike Cameron, won't you? Mike Cameron is, uh, is the quiet Cameron who uh, actually uh, designed the uh, underwater scooter that oh. uh, they used as a camera platform. In the abyss or in? Yes, on the abyss. Oh, wow. And, and that, were, that in was up turn, in Canada, right? In a tank? Not in Canada, in, in South uh, Carolina. Oh, for some reason, I thought you guys were in Canada. Oh, okay. No, because Cameron is, Can is Canadian. Right. But I thought, wait, so this tank was in, not in Wilmington, in South Carolina. In South Carolina, well, in a... In a a, a city called uh, uh, Gaffney, um, is which is right it, next to Spartanburg, where they had the BMW uh, plant. Was it um, built, and it was built for this film, or was it a, like no, a, a Navy test? It was an unfinished nuclear power plant. Uh, it had never been operational. Right, they right, had never course. finished the containment uh, vessel. They had the, the deep pool. The big deep pool, which was uh, like 270 uh, feet in diameter. And, and it's 60 feet deep, 80 feet deep, something like 60, 60 feet, I think. Um, but uh, it was they retrofit it to hold water uh, by spraying inches of gunite on the inside. Sure. And uh, fit it with uh, filtering and uh, pumping and all yeah. sorts of things. And there was the main tank and then there was the <laughs> secondary tank, which was next to it, which was. Uh, sort of rectangular. The kids' tank. The kids' tank. Yeah. Was that for flooding sets or for? Uh, well, that 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 was for uh, the moon pool set sat above oh, that, right. and uh, the uh, submarine sets were all in that. Uh, the only set that was in the main tank was the deep core exterior. Deep core exterior. Wow. I remember the the first movie I saw as a kid that had anything to do, even similar, was uh, Hello Down There. Which is a great campy movie oh. from the late '60s with Tony Randall, yeah. and very young. I think he's like eighteen to twenty. Uh, Richard Dreyfus. Oh right, playing a teenager who's in a band with his siblings, and there's a great. And so when I was a kid, I read about. I was big into science, and I know mm -hmm. shocking. I was nerdy, um, but I was fascinated by uh, Tektite, which was this underwater living experiment which is what right. this movie was based on the writers thought, hey that'd be a crazy thing of a fam it's always a family if a family went down to live underwater why so tony why randall would you do that <laughs> yeah it was tony randall and uh, uh jamie lee curtis's mom um janet lee janet lee was his wife and richard dreyfus and a couple other kids are wow i think phil silvers and it's a great cast it's wow. goofy as hell but you know they have a pet dolphin or seal and uh, but anyway, Richard Dreyfus, I, I know you met him recently. If I ever get to meet him, I want to say, 
hey, do you want to sing the Hey Little Goldfish with me? Because oh my god, there's a scene where he's playing guitar and he's he says, hey guys, got this great idea for a new hit single or you know a new song, and uh, there's three songs in the movie and they're written by some songwriter, but they. Richard Drivers had to lip sync to some guy whose voice sounds nothing like it. <laughs> so he goes like, check it out. It goes like this. And he goes, hey, little goldfish, where are you going to? And it's like this twangy Oklahoma voice from a guy, obviously, wow. in his mid-30s. And uh, it's a really cute song. It's dumb. But uh, anyway, I remember that movie. So then, uh, and it was about the same thing, people living underwater in these underwater habitats. Right. And when, um, and so they, uh, it was what's his name from Florida, uh, Tor, <laughs> Tor Johnson, um, the guy who produced uh, uh, yeah. Flipper. He, uh, yes, Tor. Well, oh, I can't remember his last name. I don't remember. Write in and tell us. I'm sure if only we had some device that could <laughs> just say, "Hey Google." Um, there it is. <laughs> who, <laughs> who produced Hello Down There? I think it was also involved in um, the Creature of the Black Lagoon. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> says, I'm sorry. I'm not sure if you're talking to me, so I'll re- disregard your question. Oh, good. That's good. My, already snarky. My AI assistant is ignoring me. Yeah. Well, get in line, pal. Obviously, she's, obviously she's a female. Well, obviously. Yeah, um, I blurred. That's fascinating because, uh, uh, you know, obviously Dreyfus uh, was an expert in uh, oceanographic uh, things and uh, a later film, yeah, I can't quite remember the name of that, but uh, um, d- oh yeah, yeah, it, were, uh, it wasn't a goldfish; it was another fish. Yeah, the thing they were. <laughs> They're all gonna. Anyone, anyone, I wonder if anyone asked him to sing that on that set. Hey man, you want to sing? Hey little. Goldfish? I bet you they didn't. I don't know. He do- yeah, he doesn't seem like a guy with a who loves to joke around. I don't know. I mean, he seems char- just pleasant enough, but he doesn't seem goofy. Yeah, well, he at least in those days he was very serious. Yeah, uh, and he's still serious, but uh, he has a he has a humorous side. I I rode an elevator with him, and I just didn't want to be like I know who you are. You know, it's good. <laughs> you, you should have said, "I think we're going to need a bigger elevator." <laughs> so many things went through. <laughs> I just want to, you know, I wanted to like look at all the buttons and go. This 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 means something. Like, yeah, right. This is important. Somebody, this is important. This means Ronnie. 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 Uh, yeah. So there you go. Deep, deep, weird cuts. When I so anyway, I, so you're working on that movie. I'm working on the abyss, and obviously this was the this was the first uh, real, actually real job I had. Ah. Um, because I got involved when my roommate, uh, by the name of Van Ling, uh, became oh, yeah. Jim Cameron's uh, research assistant. Okay. And the project he was researching was. Uh, for the abyss and uh, they were getting deep into uh, finding the people who were responsible for the um, fluid breathing systems and all, right. uh, all that stuff that made Cameron interested in the subject back when he was in high school and they actually I... found the the uh, scientist responsible for it and they tracked him down and they got all the uh, the information of how to get the material and uh, what to do and uh, so they were able to do the experiment on screen with the rats and there was four of them um but uh, through through uh, van being a research assistant i was able to get a job building study models for the art department 
when they were still in Los Angeles. And uh, there was only a handful of... Was Lou Zudevern working on that with you? Lou Zudevern wasn't on it uh, yet. Because I know that's who became Jim's guy for Titanic. He did a bunch of... Oh, yeah, yeah. Later. But this was before he could afford Lou. Uh, (laughs) And uh, Low price Lou is what they call it. Yeah, right. Uh, so I got to build things out of uh, foam core and, uh, and uh, uh... he loves that. I, I mean, Lou built an entire, not only the Titanic, the, I guess for the original movie, but then he built a scale accurate, something like six or eight foot long Titanic wreck that, you know, off of uh, LIDAR radar scans and photos. So when Cameron was going to dive the wreck, he said, well, we'll go, and right. we'll go. And I'm like, that's, it's interesting to me. And I guess for a movie, it makes as much sense as I guess it does for an exploratory dive because you don't want to run into issues you can foreseen in having a three-dimensional model. Right. There. But I always find that, I guess if it's from radar scans or something, it's fairly accurate. And and Lou is brilliant. Oh, and, uh, it, you know, he, he, can, he can do anything. Oh, um, it's not the model. It's just wanting a model. Right. Um, well, you know, you always, they want the toys. They yeah. want the toys. Well, because I mean, no matter how big the model is, I mean, you can't put a camera with an accurate lens down there. It's like it'd be the lens the size of a VW bus, you know, scale wise. So I, I guess it's more for planning, like, well, you know, yeah. you talk about your... we're going to go to this section and we're yeah. going to hang around here for. So it makes more sense for a movie and... for me because, like, well, well this will be a matte painting and we'll actually build these sections. But for a dive, but of course I... he he'd already been there two times. I know that's what's weird. Is like let's. I guess just have him in his office anyway. I mean, it's no, I'm not throwing any shade at him. For doing Look, it. you can't you can't impress the studio executives with tales about how you went down to see the Titanic. <laughs> you have to show them a little model. Oh, geez, I'm sure the first question is, "Oh, I thought it was much bigger." No, this yeah. is no. model. Yeah. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times, and these are people. Is this a shipwreck for ants? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but what's funny is that's not inaccurate. I'm sure we both have tales. Uh, you know, <clears throat> like a blue screen shot. Oh, I thought the background I thought it was going to be mountains. Yeah, no, that's yeah. that's the it'll be comped in. Ah, ah. So we have to go. So when are we going to shoot that part? Oh no, it's a, it's a it's a matte painting or it's a thing. Oh, okay. Oh, what's so, that? So one of my favorite. And this goes back. This is a story told to me in the screening room of Star Trek Four, talking about studio notes, mm-hmm. and I forgot who it might have been our DP. It might have been our editor. I think it was our editor, Peter. He said, and this was from some famous movie from the 40s or 50s, where uh, some woman walks down a magnificent staircase in some gown, and it's, she's recognized by polite society or the royals or whatever. And uh, they were in the screening room looking at the movie, and one of the producers was like, oh, it's too bad we didn't get an over, you know, like an over-the-shoulder shot. Look at kind of from the, the from behind her looking at the room all looking at her. Right. And they were like, yeah, yeah. And then one of the executive producers said, Oh no, we just have to flip the flop negative. The film. Flop the negative, yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> wow. So it's not new. Yeah. And I mean, look, I'll cut some slack for all the modern wizardry that computers can do now and and I understand, but I had people ask me executives again, not I mean, look, if somebody's mom asks me a, a question that you know, betrays a complete lack of knowledge about how things are done doesn't bother me at all i would never throw any shade but you gotta stop talking to people's moms first yeah well i'm at that age now (laughs) hey little girl mom single um Uh, 
Uh, uh, uh, but uh, executives whose job it is is to greenlight or you know produce these things, and mainly not production exec or executives who are hired by networks or studios, not the people who actually get the work done. Um, which are the people we usually interact with. But uh, I remember one asked me two things. Oh, you worked on dinosaurs? Yes. Now, when that was claymation, I said no, no. That was that was people in 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 costumes. Oh, I thought it was like stop motion, like claymation. I'm like, no, no, they're like Earl Sinclair is like seven feet tall and weighs, you know. Oh, how do they do that? <laughs> so, well, that's what the Henson Company is really good at is making life size things that actually. But they moved their face, and yeah, it's all radio control and cable. Yeah, fascinating. And then what was so the? It's other? not play. Oh, the same. The same executive, when I told them I directed at this point, I directed like three Muppet movies. She goes, oh, okay. All right, right. So, but who directs the actors? <laughs> I said, well, I, I, I do. I direct the whole thing. Oh, I thought you just did the puppets, like the stop motion. And I'm like, what? No, no, they're, they're pan pop. They're real. When you see Kermit talking to a person, he's really there talking to a person. There's somebody under the camera. Oh, and, and you direct all of that. I'm like, yes. Because they're they're really just performers underneath the puppets, and then they're talking to actors who don't have a puppet. Um, so it's continually shocking to me. And again, that's kind of you know, as they say, uh, real real world stuff, not computer jiggery pokery, which you know even confuses me sometimes. Like, how yeah. the hell would you do that? But it's our business. It's our lot in life for me. Look, just if... <laughs> thank you, three PO. If if mm. everyone understood everything then a lot of us would not have jobs. Well, again, but it's sort of like if a person was producing automobiles, like I work for Ford and mm -hmm. I make sure that, you know, the new models are fascinating, interesting. <laughs> you say, well, what kind of engine does it have? Oh, it, oh a big, big, big heavy a, engine. I think it's one of those one that, that it's, it's the kind that you put gas in. What was a V6? It's a big car, a V8. I don't know what it takes. I think it's I gasoline. Many, I don't know how many eights it has, but. I just said, if, if the film business would run like the, the autumn industry, we'd still be on horses. Right. Because, right. Uh, yeah. or, yeah, yeah. Anyway, rant, rant, rant. No, it's funny, because, it, look, the the days of uh, uh, at least interesting production, certainly in Los Angeles, are done. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, you, you mean actual physical production as opposed to development and writing and meetings and, and design? Yeah, yeah. Right. I, I don't think that's coming back anytime soon. Well, uh, AI is it, I mean, it's just it's just too expensive, first of all. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, Canada taking up in animation, which is what I've been working on the last almost two years now. Uh, I mean, yeah. First of all, stuff went to Atlanta and Canada. Right. Action. In terms of animation and VFX, it's all going to Canada and India now. Right. The show I'm working on, it's, a, it's an animated thing for Nickelodeon. I'm on my second season as a director. Um, which is great. I get to work at home. In fact, this is my job. I sit on Zoom and, and direct, you know. In people. front of a fireplace. In front of a fireplace. I, I'm going to at least the beginning of next year because it's better than the, my blurry garbage pit that I my office is. Um, but the company that does the animation, so it's CG. We, we direct an Unreal Engine, which is amazing. So you kind of right. do the layout and you pick your camera angles and you move sort of chess pieces around. It's like, uh, here we go. I have an action figure near my desk. Is that surprising? 
So, right. well, of course, not. so when you move them around, just kind of oh, like rat fink. It is rat fink. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Daddy Roth. One of the reasons I love monsters. I also have a dude somewhere around here, Jeff, Jeff, uh, Jeffrey Lebowski. Um, right. Uh, so we move them around, pick the camera angles, and you know, do coverage, and then our editor cuts it together like you would a movie, except people just kind of you know do this, and then we storyboard on top of that and send to India, and they and they animate over it. But right. the way that the way they keep the cost down is these animators don't get a character or a scene they get a shot and it's it's literally a factory job they don't know the shot before or the shot after so they don't know if they're supposed to match anything i mean it's kind of shocking so a lot of our especially starting out i think they've learned a shorthand with our animation tech director saying okay you know he's got to be looking this way i mean because the board it's tricky because the boards are loose. Drawings are more interpretive where the CG model, like if, but our problem is our CG models aren't making, you know, aren't, they can't even turn their heads. So it's, it's, uh, it's frustrating, but it's the way they get it done so cheaply. And they said they're getting these guys right out of high school. Right. Or whatever the equivalent is in India. So like 18, 19, and here's your computer and you have any artistic ability or you know how to work a computer because you played video games. Great. You're hired. Well, it's the same age that we were when we started. Yeah, no, no, it's not the age thing, but it's it's the lack of even training. It's just it's the lack of training and supervision. It's really just a factory job. I mean, at least not that animation has not always been a factory job, but because of the usually back in the day, the the animators would see what was the before. You know, you'd get the pair, you get the paragraph before the one you. Not. yeah at least a frame before and a frame after yeah yeah so it's uh it's interesting but now ai i mean we could do an entire show about or five shows about ai and, no if we're gonna do that let's let ai do it we do just, you know what we could literally do a show where we just take three of these episodes you know take a few pictures of us there's all the software now that they create digital versions of us and see what it does that would be a fun episode the AI episode where they matches our voices. Right. I've, I've, I watch on YouTube daily now, if not week or weekly, if not daily, updates on what the AI is doing. And people right. are just, so they sit there and it's like this. Hey, this is not me. This is actually digital. And the hand movements and the voice. And there's three different softwares, which right now are all in beta and free. And these guys just, they give, I think it's three to five minutes of footage of you just sitting there talking, just reading. And then it will essentially clone you and then either the same software or different picks your voice. Mm-hmm. And then you can just, well, you can either type in what you want to say, or you can go to AI and say, here's what I sound like. Right. Or, or I do a show with, you know, Darren and I right. talking about, and you know, here are the four things you should talk about. That's, that would be, I would say, let's make that around episode 10 and just see, even if it's five minutes, it should be interesting. Well, you know, what, what our uh, viewers don't know is that this is actually generated by AI. <laughs> That's not, that's not, that's not, that's not, that's not true. What the, what the hell's Matt Frewer going to do now? Oh, that's man. the question. He's a sweet guy. He is. That's why it's so sad that the uh, AI is taking his job. Well, it's interesting. Nobody's tried that or has somebody. I just missed it. They've done a, uh, I just want people to don't, I don't want people to think I'm bald. Um, well, you've, you've gone, you've gone full, uh, full gray. Uh, Kenny Rogers now. Yeah. That's right. Kenny Rogers, Kurt Russell. Uh, who's the other one I get? They're all KR. Oh, my God. <laughs> and my middle initials are, so I'm KR, Kurt wow. Randolph. 
Kenny Rogers, Kurt Russell. Wow. And you're double D's, which yeah. usually never mind. How dare you? <laughs> Means you're a big boob. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks one to no one, dude. <laughs> you're the one I know. Uh, <laughs> this kind of humor is what you can expect in every episode. Well, I have action figures here too. I have my little Gene Roddenberry Mego. Oh my god, I didn't know they made a Gene. What would he sound like? Wishing us a Merry Christmas. Well, I'd like to wish everyone a, a, in the listening view a, a a wonderful holiday season and uh, uh, anything to uh, get more money pouring into my coffers is uh, a welcome uh, end of the year. So uh, may uh, may the good uh, creative force bless us all. And uh, thank you very much. Wow, there you go. Does Rod does Rod uh, need to approve that? Oh uh, no. He's he's no. given me permission to uh, do yeah. his dad's voice now. I, 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 he I has understand. no choice, or else his dad will yell at him. <laughs> Rod, what are you doing, you idiot? Um, <laughs> uh, what was I going to say? Oh, uh, about Gene. Did you ever did you ever meet him or work with him? Or I I never worked with him. I met him once. Yeah, I met uh, him a few times before. The, uh, no, I take it back twice. Because I met him back in 1976 when he was doing oh, a, uh, a uh, lecture at a local college in New Jersey. And I got to see him do his presentation with running the black and white cage episode and, uh, and the uh, blooper reels. So oh, I got God, to, I remember Con. So we, you, you and I have been going to conventions since, since I was like 12 or 13. You, you, yeah. you as well. Uh, I I was a little later. I didn't start going to cons till about eighty one. Uh, okay, I think I was seventies after Star Wars came out. I started right. going to L.A. science fiction convention, maybe even before seventy six, seventies. I was fourteen, fifteen, and uh, I put artwork in the art shows and just watched. Right. You know, watch. I met Mike Jetlove there, who was an yep. amazing guy. Who lost touch with. I think he he wanted to move to Iceland or not Iceland. He wanted to move to Norway or Finland. Um. He was an amazing. There was a a genius. I I met him a couple times because I lived in that neighborhood. Yeah, uh, near Up in Hollywood Hills. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. He was uh, amazing. Of course, I knew about Wizard of Speed and Time and his. Yeah, uh, that's where I, I first saw it and was like, kind of blew my mind. I'm like, dude, that's amazing. Yeah. You know, and he was funny and clever, very intense. He was very intense and very serious. And he yeah. uh, at, the, at that point he still wasn't shaking hands. Uh, yes, exactly. I feel, and I asked him. I mean, I we became friends. He had my number. I'd he called me a couple times to see if I wanted to help him on a shoot or something. And uh, I remember when I got the Lucasfilm the job on Jedi, he was very, oh, that'll be great. That'll be great. Yeah, I really, really admired George. Um, he, you know, sticks to his guns. He doesn't do the whole Hollywood thing. You know, but Mike this sort of intense. And I've been to his yeah. house. I met his mom. Um, we worked. I was gonna work on something with him anyway. He was lovely, and he. I think the last time I saw him was a Bob Burns, like 70th birthday or 60th birthday thing. And he was mm. there and we hung out afterwards, a bunch of us. Uh, but anyway, cons and cons were so much Star Trek and then Star Wars came along and then they were like, then there were Star Wars cons and Star Trek cons. And then they sort of, you know, Comic-Con sort of became the mothership of it's everything. Um, you know, and I, I went to Comic-Con in the 70s by accident. My family would vacation down at um, an area called Vacation Village. I forget what it's called now. It's this little kind of isthmus out in the bay with all these uh, 
you would. It rent. was an internment camp for uh, Japanese for families. Uh, families. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so we were driving by the old hotel, the Conquistador, I think it was, and uh, and it said comic book convention, you know. And I was like, oh my god! Wow. Can we? So my mom let me wander around for like an hour, and so then I, and then I had the next time I went was probably in the mid eighties. Uh, um, but yeah. But anyway, Star Trek and Star Wars conventions were um, so much less popular with the general public. They were right. not. They were you and I, and it was mainly male. And the the females were there were very very, you know. I don't want to use nerdy as a as a pejorative because I you know I was, but they were not the cosplay girls with you know the right. The, the Betty Page figures or the they they were like the guys they were quiet and, and yeah and intellectual and smart and but but yeah. they loved they loved a good sense of humor a good pun could get you a lot of you know uh, easy no I was saying get you a lot of credit <laughs> right get a lot of tail um, yeah no I was I was an incel at that point uh, I mean well I was like fourteen fifteen I didn't, I didn't know what to do if a naked woman showed up people like I'd probably cry and run. Um, now, I don't do that anymore, at least since I was 50. Um, well, I, I don't run. I still cry. <laughs> Mainly out of gratitude. You took your clothes off. Um, it's funny because I met Mike Chitlove at the same time that I uh, met Angelique Pettyjohn. Oh, yeah. She was a she was interesting. She was, I believe, selling Xeroxes at that time. Oh, my God. Yeah. Anyway, I that. When, I you met said, her to, when you said I, naked woman, that's what I thought. Yeah, I met yeah. Angelique Pettyjohn, and she's—I guess she was kind of a softcore actress. At, yeah, at, you know. Yeah. After Star Trek. Yeah, I um, <laughs> I heard stories that I'm not going to share in the public space about her <laughs> and uh, and Grace Lee Whitney. <laughs> well, bless them um, both. Yes, and they were always complimentary, but that they were they were uh, very attractive. <laughs> yeah. Um. Well, remember, those were different times. Oh, yeah. Totally different times. Yeah, no kidding. First of all, guys like yeah. us, we'd have it made. Yeah, we missed Guys it. like us, we'd have it made. Those were the days. That should be our oh. theme song. Except we just have to change the lyrics. What would be like, um, let's see. How did it start? Oh, boy, the way Glenn Miller played. Okay. Boy, the way Steve Miller played. Oh, my God. <laughs> Tell you what, you work on those lyrics. I will, and I'll, and I'll work on my Edith Bunker. Okay, all right, there. All right there, Darren. Um, you couldn't make that show, even though the show was about. That's an interesting thing. That yeah. again, another whole show about how when you do uh, satire, mm -hmm. the slower kids in the on the room don't get that it's satire. It's the you know the classic thing of eat the poor. What was that um, Jonathan Swift? Right. Oh, eat, the, eat the poor. Um, and people get outraged. Remember Dinosaurs, we did an episode about, you know, throwing your your mother-in-law off a cliff because she was old. Right. And she'd slow down the herd. And the, the young son was like, why do we do that? We don't, we're not herd animals or we're not, you know, nomadic animals anymore. We have houses all the way. And uh, the gray, I remember the Gray Panthers only read the TV guide blurb, like, you know, Earl Mont is excited about throwing his aged mother-in-law mother off a cliff. And, you know, they wanted to boycott the show and say that we yeah. were an example of ageism. And so I find that, I mean, everything is so triggering. I, I think we're going to swing back to, like, you can make jokes about stuff. If you are of the culture, race, or gender identity 
you could be, you know, it's like the N-word, although I even think that amongst the black community is pretty much frowned upon, but still used commonly yeah. with comedians and stuff. Uh, but I mean, the only thing we can make, <laughs> you and I can make jokes about is like presidents and <laughs> pedophiles and uh, mass shooters because they were all white men. Um, it's, it's, yeah. uh, but it's, it's hard for comedy or satire, I should say. Because I mean, I mean, that's what All in the Family was. It was a comedy, but it was really a satire, right? On you know, uh, modern thinking versus you know old school on, on stereotype uh, personalities. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and, and nobody would come in defensive of Archie Bunker saying, "Well, that's a stereotype." Right. Well, that's what's funny, and I'm not saying poor me, you know, middle-aged white guy, but you. It's funny, even just pitching comedy. That's still part of my my life is pitching, you know, original ideas. And, and I find it harder and harder unless I make a point. It's like, and there's a gay character, there's a trans character. Right. And that's to show that, you know, and, and the humor around it is about their experience. And of course we will have a gay writer, a trans, you know, I have friends who are trans. And so, but you have to kind of say to not get canceled for even pitching that, you know, right. I mean, outside of that, you just can't pitch anything. Because they don't want shows about middle-aged white guys. <laughs> That's true. I mean, I I don't necessarily either. Well, um, yeah, but I mean, but I'm saying if the, if the rule is you really write what you know or what your cultural, right. uh, you know, sexual identity you can do. I mean, I can write about Northern Europeans. I mean, I've, I've even thought about doing a thing about Vikings because okay, yeah, that's what I do. yeah. I mean, like, well, they're, they're coming. They're coming for cancellation. Um, <laughs> I, the funny thing is that. I disagreed with everything that Archie Bunker stood for, you know, well, everything. He, that was the point. He was but, the bad guy. But I understand him. Yes. Completely. Well, because he was not a cartoon character. He was yeah. painted as a guy from the previous generation right. who, you know, who would just be like, I remember I just watched an episode where uh, Jefferson's, what was it? His son was going to marry a white girl lionel lionel yes was marrying a white girl and and i guess oh no sorry was marrying a black girl but the girl's father i think was white mm. that was it and george you know threw a threw a rod was like no, no, no you know and, and and louise is like trying george that's you know not appropriate and and bunker's just watching like oh you're gonna love this jefferson <laughs> how does it feel and you know and and so they at least punched both ways. Yeah. In other words, he could be a racist too. Right. Um, and so it did kind of level the playing field. But um, I thought Modern Family did a good job of it. If you watch that show, I, I never, I never watched what Modern it Family. Was, it, it was fun. Sort of me. I mean, the big thing, the big, if you're going to use the term woke, but the big thing was there was a gay couple who had adopted a daughter from China, which is very common if you live right. in LA. A lot of people have not just gay couples, just couples. If you're going to adopt a kid, a lot of them were girls from from china right and so uh and then there was jay pritchett who was um what's his name from uh um the fox show <laughs> say all uh, -huh. uh married with children ah right. uh what was his name oh jeez see it's because yeah. it's vodka that's not vodka you'll never know no it's not i wouldn't be able to talk um <laughs> anyway that guy plays kind of the archie bunker like he's like right you no know, he's a little he's fine that his 
his son is marrying a you know is marrying a man, but he's a little awkward about it. So they kind of it was a little more gentle than you know he wasn't an out and out racist. And his wife, you know, his young wife was Sofia Vergara, who's you know Latina and, and right. beautiful. And she is. She oh. is. She's beautiful. Yeah. Underneath no, no, all I, that I makeup, no, she was Latina. I just thought that that was an act. She couldn't speak. <laughs> wow. Whoa, you're gonna get canceled for that. Probably. Um. Anyway, interesting world we live in. I I have been told. I don't know if your side of the fence with in design and all that, but. I've been told multiple times that they would hire me if I weren't a white male. Right. I've, I've heard that. I, I mean, right to my face. And I mean, they're friends in the business, usually at, at Disney. Um, but also, well, and uh, some, you know, the star Wars umbrella, the Marvel umbrella, they've told me, yeah, just as episodic directors, like, look, I'm not trying to be James Gunn. I just want to direct episodes. Right. Yeah. It's really yeah. Hard right now. There's a checklist and you ain't on it. And, Right. Part of me is like, well, fuck. And the other part of me is like, well, I get it. I mean, when you hear about how people of color were treated, just even buying houses and mortgages and all the just nightmare stuff they've been through. It's like, well, yay. But also, does it have to be a, a zero sum game? Like, does it mean? And it, it does because there's not that many jobs. Right. Well, I, on, on my side of the industry, I just don't hear from anybody. They don't tell me why. Right. It's just there's just nothing. So do you have that goes. Have you ever tried having an agent for that kind of stuff? No. No, I've never had an agent for 35 well, years. I've, I've tried, and they're 90% of it is, I mean, they take the money of the jobs I get. Yeah. I was approached, kind of, you know, uh, wooed by Endeavor back in the day when I had, I had a pretty high six-figure guarantee for three years at, at Henson when they were had this deal with Disney. So basically the Disney ABC money part right. of it portioned out to me as a creative and uh they tried they you know they wooed me they had dinner with me a couple times and and their thing was i said well yeah i'm happy to have you guys represent me but you know you wouldn't get the deal i already have that's done right. well you know that's that's how it works like you know we all share and yeah. share like what yeah, i said no. like, so great so you're going to give me 10 percent of all the money you make yeah all the jobs that you get and he's like <laughs> well no that's how i said but then why would i do it and i mean and it's just I have to say, I, I just let go of an agent who was a lovely person, but Pixar called her because she had my name on her roster. She was a con. She she represented me at conventions. Right. So they just Googled my name and her place showed up and she called me and said, hey, Pixar wants to hire you to do a, a voice gig. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. And so she, you know, demanded 10% of the money. I said, you know, well, okay, but you just answered the phone and then played in between like, oh, they want you to be here. I was like, I can talk, whatever. Um. And I was just like, and I'm back in that same thing. It's like just because you answer the phone, yeah, doesn't mean I should. You got me the job. Yeah, yeah, to give me. I mean, what's your incentive for doing anything then? You just take ten percent of my money because you you put my name on your website, and yeah. and that and again I, was a con agent. It had nothing to do with voiceover acting or anything. And I guarantee you that if there was another sort of writer director uh, or voiceover person on their list that Pixar might be interested in she would have no qualms about getting oh. them the gig yeah i'm not trying to cast aspersions on her character i get it, it just sort of held fell her lap and, and then she was like this is great i want to do more of this i'm like but again maybe yeah. nice you're saying what is it you did yeah you had my name and face on your website and you answered the phone or an email and that's great but you know i have a website too i don't know why they didn't just also people at pixar know me but i guess the the, the producer director 
didn't know that I knew them, so they just found me or his. You know, he went to an assistant. Get me. Well, they want to be careful that they're doing the due diligence. You know. I know. And I get that's so, understandable, but uh, still, agents, I think agents. My my experience is agents are great at saying no. If you're successful right. enough where you need to turn down work, right? That's where they're helpful. I'm trying to get a you know acting, writing, and writing and directing agent right now, or you know two different for on camera voiceover and then right. And uh, you know it's just basically, are you working right now? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, what are you working? I'm mean, directing animation. Oh, yeah. We don't do that. Yeah, I know. Right. That's why I want an agent that doesn't do that because I already have that. It's a weird, it's, it's funny. I was talking to oh, other people in the business about our age. Oh, we're talking, I know I was talking to a good friend of mine who's an Oscar winning makeup artist yeah. or Emmy winning Oscar nominated. I think anyway, we were talking about, kids come up oh, i want to do what you do i want to make creatures i want to and we right. both said our advice our real advice without being a grinch is like don't there's no yeah. there won't be any work in it i just saw this is amazing ai did a digital makeup on an actor or an actress yeah. for a short film and there's a youtube about how they did it and it was just an actress and she's talking and just there's no green screen or anything they don't even have tracking markers on her face and they turn her into a zombie and and it it totally is glued to it does not look digital wow. it looks like someone spent two hours three hours making her up into a gray rotting zombie and it was done with this you know what we we're talking about earlier ai beta software right there's a whole youtube thing about how this guy did it. i'm like that and it was for a short film I'm like Ooh. and and he was saying yeah he's gonna you know he's he's our age so he's probably gonna retire in the next five years um or learn zbrush and you know learn how to yeah. do it and that's basically most of my advice to kids 18 to 25 is learn, learn how to do stuff on the computer, learn Unreal Engine. Absolutely. It's, it's learn Photoshop. That's still valid, but there's this new software coming out where <laughs> learn how to write prompts. <laughs> right. Oh my God. It's crazy. It's, I love it. I mean, I know a lot of people hate it. I, I hate the part about stealing, you know, from, from artists. Yeah. But I do love the video stuff where it takes what you give it. And, you know, again, you can create you and I virtually with, with three right. minutes of footage. Or you can take, you know, four pictures of something and it'll create a model of that down to what you used to have to do, a whole scanning thing and clean up right. the data. That part excites me. I mean, with Unreal Engine and a couple of pieces of software, I could do a short film with either creatures or actors or whatever, and it, and it could look cinematic if you want. I think. Well, that... it seems to me that the thing to be now is an agent for AI. <laughs> well, AI, it's interesting. I mean, nobody's an agent for Maya or, or Adobe. I mean, so. But they are. People who work at both those companies are agents for Maya and really? Adobe because they go to, uh, you know, visual effects houses and things and they uh, get ensconced in the pipelines. So they are right. always used. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm only halfway joking about being a, an AI agent because there has to be some kind of uh, method for getting these softwares known and used and there has to be some kind of uh yeah uh, mechanic for that well yes so here's the here's the big question for you and i and people yeah. of our ilk or people who want to be creatives in in the entertainment industry where do you go from here you don't need to know how to paint or draw you need to know probably i would say you need to know design and color theory so you can just make good choices but you don't have right. to actually be able to 
if you can sculpt, that's still useful. If you can, you know, yeah. uh, digitally, I would say more than uh, with your hands, unless you're going to be, a, I mean, you know, there's always going to be prop makers and people are going to have to build some part of a set, but the jo it's those jobs. It's like being a character designer of a, a previs artist now. Yeah. Five years, you know, if you're not Ryan Minerding or a few other guys, yeah. just, you know, you literally type in AI. I want something in the style of Ryan Minerding or Frank Vizetta or whatever. Thing is, and I, a friend, a, a bunch of friends of mine who are concept artists were talking about this. Yeah. Uh, a couple months ago. Um, that producers and directors are very specific in things that they want. Mm -hmm. And at least now, there is no way to get AI to give them exactly what they want. No, no, it has to be curated, of course. Right. But but you don't need a you don't need eight AI you don't need eight previs artists. You probably get by with two. Right. How to curate the yeah. But you still need someone who can draw and design That's to what I mean. give them what they want. That's what I'm saying. You still need to learn principles of art design. So but that's so open ended or so you know, learn what good art is, learn you know, that. Well, and that that's what's making people get back to basics now. Mm. You know, I think that I think that is actually going to happen. So I read Buckminster Fuller's book, Operating Manual for Spaceship Earth, when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. The one thing that really struck home with me is be a generalist. Don't be a specialist. Yep. Specialists careers live and die by, you know, the winds. If you're a generalist, and that's why I kind of went and in, moved into directing because, like, me, that's the ultimate generalist job. I yeah. mean, with writers, actors, directors, I mean, uh, you know, writers, actors, art directors, product designers, sound people, right. and you're just kind of a generalist. It's like, well, here's what I want it to do. Yeah. You have to but, manage all those yeah. arts. And it's great if you have ADHD. <laughs> <laughs> you're never, you never get that, like, I'm bored with this. Um, uh, but yeah, so it's interesting. Because I used to say, you know, learn Maya 10 years ago, learn yeah, Maya, but... learn Photoshop, learn Premiere, learn Avid. You know, now I'm like, boy, learn to sculpt, draw, and paint. You know, I mean, yeah. even, or even learn what good sculpting, drawing, and painting is. But, you know, will there be in five years people are like, ah, that guy writes great prompts? Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, because there's a whole thing again. I watch YouTube daily. Now the award for best prompts goes to. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh. Let's talk about new movie. Have you seen Godzilla minus one? I saw it yesterday, and I freaking loved it. I loved it too. It I, was I... unbelievable and so well done and so human. Absolutely, and... but I, that was the one, and I think it's cultural. the The passion that the main character has without well, any giveaway, right? When something upsets him, he bangs his head on a table, right. and just cries like a like he's giving birth. And I was like, that just, it put me out of the movie a little bit. He's, he's like, he's like Don Music. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's so over the top. And I kept going, I, again, because it's a foreign culture and a foreign movie, I accepted it as much kind of like you do in an Indian musical where people are suddenly sure. like, you're like, oh, okay, I get that's a, 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 a meme of sort. But that's the one thing that the, uh, I bought the emotion. It didn't seem forced. But it just seems so much. I mean, he literally went to eleven. Probably that's all he did. He, there was never a nine. There was never a. Right. I'm sad. It was like ah, screaming yeah. and crying. You no, know, he's he's a, he's a little bit over the top. But I think everyone else in the film. Oh, it was amazing. Spot on. So subtle, like the buddies that he has. Oh my god. And yeah. the, the woman, the kind of bitter woman who becomes like an auntie. 
again, no spoilers, but they're all great, which made, that's what made him stand out more is like, oh my God, somebody bring, I mean, if I was directing, I'd go, oh, just bring it back yeah. about 10, 15%. Bring him but down a notch. Yeah, it didn't wreck the movie for me because the rest of it, like you yeah. said, everyone, the supporting cast and the humanity of it and that camaraderie between the fishermen. I just, I loved it. Yeah, it's, it, it's so well done. And the fact that it was made for what, uh, $15 million? dollars. I'm guessing it was a little more. Yeah. But it's so well done. And well, as a friend of mine said, it makes up for the, it, it, it makes up in sequels for Indiana Jones 5. I guess. Um, well, in terms of like how un, unappealing that was, I wouldn't say bad, but it just, it wasn't good. Uh, yeah, I have no sequel? urge to see that again, but I, I do want to see. Oh, yeah, I'm going to buy, I want to buy it in 4K and, and yeah. like watch it, you know, even just, and even the, there's a couple effect shots that are a little, eh, but it doesn't, it's just so well done. And you care, I mean, like you said, the humanity of it, you really care about these people. Yeah. And I, the thing that I was, I literally broke out in, in goosebumps. And I think I, I jumped up out of my seat when they started playing the original Godzilla score. Yes. I'm getting goosebumps now, just remembering like, oh my god! And then when he's he pulls the um the train up, the uh, commuter train, right. right? And it's it's a shot for shot, or not shot for shot, but motion for motion from the original Godzilla, right. where he's right. taking and tearing apart. I'm like, oh, this is so cool! And that's yeah. as a as a monster movie nerd that that really just again that's probably a deeper cut than most average viewers but man that 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 got me absolutely so does the minus one meaning mean it's the prequel i asked i actually asked that amongst friends and we even googled it and they said yes it's not it's not a prequel because it basically overlaps the original right it's a it's a reboot yeah but it was minus one there was some reasoning behind it it was more Oh, like, because it was after the bomb. Mine, I don't know. It, it was kind of a little ephemeral. I was like, oh, okay. And it, it maybe doesn't translate. Because uh, yeah. I, I, we all had the same question. Why is it yeah. minus one? Um, but I loved, the other thing I loved, which is a little bit of a spoiler, but the two versions, like the younger version. Yes. When he hits the island. and Yes. I, I just thought it was, yeah, it was great. I didn't realize how much, Somebody posted, uh, said the, some of the pictures said the original Godzilla and it's a, a marine iguana from uh, the Galapagos. And I didn't realize the texture on their heads and everything was, and the skin was so much hmm. influence. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't think of that. And there's a picture of a marine iguana. I think it's one of the marine iguanas. And he just looks like, oh my God, that's Godzilla as a, as a yeah. baby or, you know, um, you know, the fins on the back and everything. Right. Like, oh crap. I didn't realize he was that much of an inspiration for uh, Gojira. Yeah, that was great. But it it was so satisfying on many levels. The other movie I'm told is uh Poor Things. Yeah. So this is great with um by Yorgos. Well, I can't pronounce his last name. Yeah, Raman Black Black Raman whatever. I don't know. Yeah, that's supposed to be great. Not a lot that's of great a, that's another one on the uh on the list for uh, best uh, visual effects. Really? Yeah. I know they use the uh, screen, the you know the um, cove kind of. What do you call it? The, the the volume. The volume a lot. I re I didn't know that uh, what we do. In, I mean, not what we do in the shadows. Um, our flag means death. Mm. Was all done in the volume. Yeah, 
Yeah. It looked amazing. I loved that show. Yep. It was shot really well. I love that. That's a, that's one series that I loved as much as uh, what we do in the shadows. And now I'm watching uh, 30 coins, Tinta Monedas out of Spain. Oh, I don't know that one. Oh, it's on max. If you get HBO max, yeah. it's tremendous. It's, it's very Gothic, very Catholic demon horde, Satan, Lucifer, you know, um, old school. Yeah, and but well done with a very the, the creator has a deep love of the genre. In fact, there's a doctor in season two, and his name was Dr. Giraud. And I said, Oh, I bet that's an homage to Mobius. Yeah, and then in like yeah. episode two or three, they say, Yes, Dr. Jean Giraud. And I'm like, uh -huh. It is, it literally it is, is Mobius. Mobius. And there's a bunch of uh, Easter eggs that if you're a monster movie fan or a horror movie fan, you will, um, you'll get a kick out of. There's a scene where um, a character is admitted to a mental hospital and all these other people who've been through this nightmare of a black mass in their town. And they're trying to summon, you know, I guess the great coming of the Lucifer the second or something, or the antichrist. And they're all going, one of us, one of us, we, we, one of us, one of us. I'm like, Oh man, that's great. The second season has a lot more. It seems like they're having a little more fun with that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But I, if you like kind of, it's not, it's, there's some gore. There's actually some pretty graphic stuff in it, but, uh, if you like your horror less stabby, slashy, more, you know, Exorcist meets Guillermo del Toro. It's very Guillermo del Toro, I put it mm. that. And the creatures are fun. So, so if you like that, give a thumbs thing. up for fans of that kind of stuff. Because uh, I'd seen it and I, I watched the first episode and thought, okay, hey, it's in Spanish, which isn't horrible to navigate. And you can get it dubbed or you can just watch the yeah. subtitles. But uh, it's fun and it, it really, uh, except there's some soap opery parts, but it, it's not, it's like game of Thrones in terms of like, you get into these, all these characters and it's not that deep, but as uh, a telenovela. Yeah. Yeah. With, you know, romance and monsters and demons and Lucifer and, and, and very interesting take on the Catholic church and, and uh, even interesting take on God and, you know, mm -hmm. heaven and hell and the, the premise that there's a speech given by this one character two thirds of the way through, I think the first season and about evil, God created evil. It's not. And so he did that. So, you know, because without evil, then goodness is just, you everything. need checks and balances. Yeah. Yeah. And so the, the whole point is like, God sends the demons ultimately, or he allows them. And you're like, Whoa, that's like, you know, it's, it's great take for this kind of story. Hmm. Um, because there's this character, I believe he's Lucifer. Um, who, you know, is a fallen angel. And his whole thing is like, I'm doing God's work. Like, right. I'm, I'm not the bad guy. Yeah. I do the bad things, but I'm doing God's work. And you're like, whoa, that's heavy. Yeah. That's and uh, and then, yeah, the scenes in hell get more and more interesting with, yeah, I don't know. I really like it. I can't recommend it enough. Those are my, those are my recommendations. Our flag means death. What we do in the shadows. Oh, the one I don't recommend, which I, I love Fargo. The new season of Fargo is great. Yeah. Um, but Monarch is disappointing. Oh, yeah. I haven't uh, had a chance to watch that yet. Kurt Russell is great. And then there's these bratty 20-year-olds. They're just so annoying. And they're just miserable people. And I remember the one episode came out, like episode four or five, which is basically, it's their money-saving one, where basically characters talking about their feelings. Yeah. And these these kids are just such miserable little shits. And they're kids. They're in their 20s, you know, mid-20s. But they're just all hung up on their own bullshit and and just angry and bitter and you're like oh shut up get back to god's eye that's never you never prayed 
so hard for kaiju oh my goodness um, yeah and then kurt russell's great i mean he's just always great that's a career i, I like kurt russell i i i still i still am wanting to see the perfect vehicle for kurt russell because there hasn't been one yet wasn't the computer wore tennis shoes well, that was that was quite a long time ago it was like 45 years but I grew up Kurt Russell was my like that's the guy he was my Harrison Ford before Harrison Ford is like right that guy's cool he's only like 12 years older than we are but like he was funny and cool and he was good looking but he wasn't so good looking you're like well I could never you know right right and uh and you know he was great as Jack uh, what was his name Jack Burton Jack Burton in the Porkchop Express yeah. he was great in the thing he just has these great it's like he and Jeff Bridges have these kind of roles where you're like okay I think he's had some great roles that really, you know, he has, but they off. haven't been, they haven't been iconic, you know, oh, they, Jack haven't, they haven't been Yeah, but no one has seen a uh, big trouble in little China. Well, our, our ilk have. Yeah. But we don't count anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. Comic-Con says differently, but that yeah. movie, yeah, that movie wasn't a huge hit when it came out. No, never. Uh, yeah, but there's a great that's his Lebowski character. You know what I mean? Where it's kind of somewhat yeah, rough. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Yeah. I yeah. don't know. I mean, he needs what he needs is his. I mean, you know, he did that Santa Claus movie or two of them now. I guess right or Amazon. I forget. I haven't seen them, but I mean, no, he he needs his Godfather. Or I was going to say his um, True Grit when the yeah when um, Jeff Bridges did Rooster Cobb. Yeah. Like wow, yeah. that's. That's the last third of his career kind of icon. And, and uh, yeah, I don't think Monarch. Yeah, I agree. Although he looks fucking great. I mean, he looks healthy as hell in uh, in uh, Monarch and, uh, you know, in the well, Santa Let's Clark. hope so. There's there's some talk that he might be going to play Centauri in the remake of uh, Last Starfighter. Well, interesting. I mean, that'd be a good role for him. I don't know. If, Last Starfighter is, again, kind of a deep cut niche. I don't know. If it is. It is. I heard it's, it's one of those things that has been threatening to be rebooted or remade for years and years, and it just never has gotten motion. Did, did you see the? I think it's Kurt. It's Kurt Russell reading for uh, Han Solo. Have you seen those black? And oh white? yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Like, that would have been interesting. It would have been interesting. I think that I think that it would have been wrong, and I think he would have I, been distracting. Yeah, too many people knew him. I I agree. I think it was interesting though, but like, what is okay? If you're going to cast Kurt Russell in any role that you think he would have done either better or that would have made him, I mean, you know, mm. I mean, he's great in Overboard. That's a great vehicle for him. Absolutely. It's, um, it's not a great movie, but it's interesting. It's, it's fun. Funny. I mean, you know, was that Gary? Was that Gary Marshall? Gary Marshall? Seems like a Gary Marshall movie if it wasn't. Well, I don't remember. Um, Kurt Russell's best role. I mean, True Grit. At this point, he could have done it. Yeah. He, yeah. He doesn't look as, I mean, Jeff Bridges looks so wheezing to that movie. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Grizzled, not wheezing, but grizzled. Well, you know, I think you can be both. Oh, you know what his, you know what his iconic role is uh, uh, from not in nerddom is uh, Tombstone. People I, love I, that. I, I agree. And it's a flawed movie, but that is his, I yeah, think, high point of characters that he, he's, totally, yeah. He's great and stands out in a crap movie. Yeah, in a crap. He and Val Kilmer yeah. steal their scenes, and it was a mess, I guess, to shoot. I've read. Yeah. You know, now there's all the stories about it, and what I guess two two directors or the 
Yeah, the first one was fired, and then I think George Cosmatos came. Yeah, George Cosmatos. Or, or is it the opposite of that? Something um, like that. But uh, yeah, I mean, the, all these, you know, they were there were two uh, OK Corral movies being made at the same time, that one and uh, and the one. Not uh, Silverado, but. Um... With uh, no the the director of Silverado, yeah, um, yeah. Of course, my brain is gone. It was but, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, it's it's Christmas Eve, man. We've been drinking all that eggnog. Gignog. Gignog. <laughs> do you do you put bourbon in your eggnog? Do you drink eggnog? I just drink eggnog from the fridge in the, from the from the. I do too, but if you put a little you put a little Elijah Craig in there, put a little bit of Buffalo Trace. Makes quite delicious holiday. Bring bring some of that holiday eggnog. Bing Crosby. I think we should end by singing uh, the Bing Crosby David Bowie Little Drummer. Oh my God, that's wonderful. Oh rum pum pum pum. Peace out of the good little Tudsman. Um, that'll be next next Christmas. We'll we'll rehearse that. Um, we just did, speaking of singing, uh, we didn't, uh, 12 of us got together to sing a friend happy birthday because he makes these beautiful little four part harmonies, a great singer yeah. and it's a little four part harmony. I guess it's a, it's a iPhone app where you, you record yourself four times and you just re-listen and sing with yourself. Oh, that's cool. And so he does it for everyone's birthday. And so we said, we got to do this for him and his birthday was today. So there's 12 of us, but 12 different people. <laughs> Where there's no music, we're just somebody just started with one oh guy, my singing, God. you know, and and we did a little riff on um, uh, an ELO song. Uh, it's a living thing. What is it? What a yeah, yeah. So it starts with that and then turns into Happy Birthday. But twelve people, and then we found out if you don't have the hardwired earbuds on your iPhone, right, play with the Bluetooth. Earbuds. Oh my goodness! So yeah. I tried to just kind of be a beat off you know or a moment the app is called cacophony yeah it's called acapella but it should be so what's weird is so i was thinking well at least we'll on happy birthday because then it turns into happy birthday right somebody and i don't know if it's intentional or not sounds like there's a football game going on i don't know if they did it with the tv on or something probably so we're all seeing just here oh my god or somebody did it because we sounded so bad and they go well now we have an excuse anyway um yeah, so we'll do that next year. Well, you and I will take two parts. Nice. We'll clear the decks. So where can so on Apple where we where people can hear this? I don't know where we're going to put this up. Um, we're we're going to be uh we're going to be uh the weirded beardos. Weirded beardos. Uh, uh, we'll be on Apple, um, okay. and uh, it's uh it's going to be uh part of the uh the uh, Trexperts uh, uh uh network. Okay. So and, uh, we are we are attached to that. Yeah, because they, they, there's an infrastructure for that, okay. and uh, they can uh, search for us. I mean, I, I think the first one we're going to have to put out our feelers on, uh, uh, you know, Instagram and everywhere we're at. Yeah, of course, everyone's and, uh, let people all know. Those, uh, all those screaming. I, I think I'm going to put I'm going to put this at least this first one up on uh, YouTube so that people can get introduced to it and uh, look at our lovely our lovely mugs. So uh, we'll be with a hold up your mug again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a lovely mug. Well, I love oh, that I disappear. Uh, it's yeah. like a ghost and Mrs. Muir gag. You're, you're like you're, you're like in Harry Potter. You hold up the magical beer stein right, hold and on. you disappear. Hold on, there, you go. there you go. Put the hat on. That's a lovely that's, that's a lovely actually a official Harry hat. Potter. Wow. <laughs> <Boop>. <laughs> <laughs>
I touch my hat, Terry, and I disappear. That's amazing. You look, you look like General So. <laughs> and here's my chicken. I've been That's choking right. all the time. No, easy. No. That that can't be proved. So anyway, anyhow, th thanks for hanging with us for an hour. This is what we do all the time, and we figured let's record it for posterity or for our yeah. posteriors. Yeah, and and we're gonna we're gonna go all over the place, but hopefully uh, within that you'll find some interesting nuggets. Yeah, so topics be besides Muppets and Star Trek and Star Wars and Gremlins, but those are fine too. Those are fine too. And mm -hmm. uh, Master Commander and yeah. the, the Abyss and and Adam's um, family. Adam's and, family. Uh, oh, I didn't know you worked on Adam's family. Yeah, the second one. Yeah, yeah, with. Uh, with um Chris not Chris Lloyd um well he was in it but... yeah Chris Lloyd was in it no no I know he was in both uh what's her face who I worked with Cusack Joan Cusack Joan Cusack was in it yeah that was King Bransky and yeah yeah those were fun yeah. I... did Barry do the second one or just yep. the first yep I got to hang with Barry Sonnenfeld for a day he's an odd bird but I like him I yeah I mean he's very New York. He's like one of those guys that complains about the bagels in the water in LA. Right. But then move back to New York. But uh, <laughs> we had a great, a great conversation about wide angle lenses. And I said, yeah. look, you know, when, when I saw um, Raising Arizona, I mean, I love that movie so much. Right. Like, like who shot that? And he's, he's very, thank you. I said, but you know, wide angle lenses are great with the puppets. Right. Cause they make, you know, a wide angle lens of the puppet is here and a person's here they shrink down and look more, they don't look like a giant talking to a, you know, a two-year-old. Right. Um, and it also, it makes a Muppet look like it's actually crossing a room as opposed to doing bounce, bounce, bounce two feet. Right. It looks, you know, if they're running away from camera, dun, 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 dun. Right. Yeah. So he was like, oh, that's interesting. I said, yeah, I mean, it, I think they are the lens of comedy and, and action because mm. it gives everything punch. It makes everything more cartoony which is why i think raising arizona looks so much like a, a, a bugs bunny cartoon well and the most used lens by uh, kubrick which was what which one the 12 or an 18 uh, like a 12 or even oh. sometimes an eight yeah well we'll talk about this next time we'll, have, we'll talk about lenses and directors and wide angle <laughs> lenses i mean no i can i we can I we can get as inside baseball as uh, anybody I will, wants i will tease it in that the show that i've been doing, directing on nickelodeon in unreal engine where you can pick lenses i shot so much on an eight millimeter lens that it actually it kind of broke the system because nice it showed stuff because it needs to have so much information in the frame well yes and but it makes you know it make our character designs they're they're like snoopy characters like charlie brown characters like two heads high like they're very big yeah. heads, tiny body so again like like the muppets when you want to make them not look like they're just bouncing up and down on a pogo stick put an eight on there and it's, it has dynamics you yeah. know but uh then they'd animate on top of it and the boards don't take into account because our characters were these, you know, stick yeah. figures. Yeah. So when you draw someone punching somebody on an eight millimeter lens, like the fist is like that, yeah. although the board looks like this. So yeah, they they they've they've said okay, only for real wide like shots where you don't have characters in the foreground and the you know, or like they're standing like a cowboy shot right. the, through the legs or something. But yeah. All right, that's a teaser for next yeah. episode. Yeah, in, in, in a future episode, we're going to talk about board artists who knew the, their lenses. Oh, they uh, are few and far between. Because they are few now. That's for Yeah, sure. there's one guy who I try to get all the time because, A, he knew how to draw the Muppets, and, B, he knows what a lens is and how. That's my biggest complaint in general is, is not knowing. And even for production, I mean, production designers kind of do. 
the old guys do because yep. that's all it was was lenses. Yep. That's what yep. made or broke stuff. Um, oh yeah, we can cut real deep into this stuff. Yeah. So but join us. Talk about next time. Next time talk about boobs around. and beer and bourbon. And, uh, all and, that is related. <laughs> and that's what's so great about it. Well, Merry Merry Christmas, uh, Merry Christmas, Darren. Everybody, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. You, I'm sure you're all listening to this maybe before New Year's. So Happy New Year's if you're uh, listening to that. If not, well, we hope you're having a great 2024. Absolutely. And uh, may your may your way be as pleasant. And uh, join us next time. Live long and come across.